Well, it's good to see everybody this morning, and uh, just a quick note, 
you know, if you come in, there's papers there and you need some space, it's okay to move the papers around a little bit. Just try to keep some space. That's all we're trying to do. We want to keep everybody safe. We want to try to comply. But I don't want, any, uh, don't want anybody getting upset about it. Just, uh, you know, be cool. It's all good. Amen. All right. <coughs> hey, how about that? Let's worship. Man. So I want to read you a passage of Scripture out of um, Revelations. And you know, if you're a believer, one of these days, this is all going to be happening for us. Hallelujah. It gives you something to look forward to. But I want to encourage you that we're not just waiting for then. We're supposed to be enjoying some of that stuff right now. Amen. Amen. And I heard a loud voice from heaven saying, Behold, the tabernacle of God is with men, and he will dwell with them, and they shall be his people. God himself will be with them and be their God. God will wipe away every tear Hallelujah. from their eyes. Thank you, Jesus. There'll be no more death, Hallelujah. nor sorrow, nor crying. Thank you, Jesus. There'll be no more pain, for the former things have passed away. And then he who sat on the throne said, Behold, I make all things new. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. He said to me, Write, for these words are true and faithful. And he said, It is done. I am the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end, and I will give of the fountain of the water of life freely to him who thirsts. Mm. He who overcomes shall inherit all things, and I will be his God, and he will be my son. But the cowardly, the unbelieving, the abominable, murderers, sexually immoral, sorcerers, idolaters, and all liars shall have their part in the lake which burns with fire and brimstone, which is the second death. Then he goes on, he says, And the city had no need of the sun or the moon to shine in it, for the glory of God illuminated it. The Lamb is its light. The nations of those who are saved shall walk in its light, and the kings of the earth bring their glory and honor into it. Its gates shall not be shut, shut at all by day. There will be no more night there. They shall bring the glory and honor of the nations into it. But there shall by no means enter into it anything that defiles or causes an abomination or a lie, but only those who are written in the Lamb's book of life. And then he showed me a pure river of water of life, clear as crystal, proceeding from the throne of God and of the Lamb. In the middle of his street, on either side of the river, was a tree of life which bore twelve fruits, each tree yielding its fruit every month. The leaves of the tree were for the healing of the nations. And there shall be no more curse, but the throne of God and the Lamb shall be in it, and his servants shall serve him, and they shall see his face, and his name shall be on their foreheads, and there shall be no night there. They don't need a lamp or a light for the sun, for the Lord God gives them light, and they shall reign forever and ever. And behold, I am coming quickly, and my reward is with me to give to everyone according to his work. I am the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end, the first and the last. And blessed are those who do his commandments, that they may have right to the tree of life, that they may enter through the gates into the city. But outside are dogs and sorcerers and sexual immoral and murderers and idolaters and whoever loves and practices a lie. I, Jesus, have sent my angel to testify to you these things in the churches. I am the root and the offspring of David, the bright and morning star. And the spirit and the bride say, come. Let him who hears say, come. And let him who thirsts come. 
Whoever desires, let him take of the water of life freely. Now, I'm sorry, but in that passage, there was some negative stuff. But that's just the truth of God's word. If you are an ungodly person and you're doing wrong, there is not going to be a glorious end for your existence here on earth. And all the things that we hear these days in this nation, uh, the things about the politicians, the elections, the things that everybody is uh, riding the streets about, there is so much unrest and problem going on in this nation. And I'm telling you, a lot of it is just outright lies. And it's confusion, it's deception. They have believed the lie. Instead of believing what God says, they have believed the lie. But, but the other side of that is, if you just come. Yes. He says, come. And if you'll come, he wants to pour out life on you. He wants to pour out from the river of life on you. And all those good things will happen in your life. And it doesn't have to be just when we go to heaven. It can be right now. Amen. He's making all things new right now in our lives. Yeah. And so when we worship this morning, I just want to encourage you. Enter in and say, yes, Lord, I want to see the light. I want to see life. I want to see your goodness. I want to experience the, the changing and making new right now. Yes. So, Lord, that's our prayer this morning. We want more of you, Lord. We cry out to you and we say, come. And that's what you're saying to us. You're saying, come. And so, yes, we will come. We choose yes. to enter in. You, we choose to worship you. Yes. We choose to lift your name up. And you said, if I be lifted up, I will draw all men to me. Yes. And so, Lord, we lift your name this morning. You. We exalt you because you alone are worthy. Yes. You alone have the light. You are the light. Yes. And you alone have the truth because you are the truth. You. And you alone are good. Yes. And you want to do good in us. So, Lord, this morning, change us as we worship you. We choose to worship you. And as we do that, pour your spirit out and change us this morning. In Jesus' name, amen. Let's stand and worship.
one of the greatest offers ever made. The God who created the universe gave everything so that we could come to him. And it's still such a simple offer and he makes it all day long, every day to every one of us. And he says, just come. He's not asking us to be perfect. He just asks us to come. He doesn't ask us to be strong. He just asks us to come. Lord, I thank you that you are the one that is strong. And your strength is made perfect in our weakness. And Lord, when we come to you broken, needing mending, and wounded, needing healing, and desperate to be rescued, and empty, and need to be filled, and most of all, we come guilty. Your pardon is there, and it's, it is never ending. It is enough, Lord. You are the beginning and the end, the Alpha and the Omega, and you have never changed. You've never fallen short. You are enough for all of our needs, Lord. Your grace is sufficient. You carry us through the times where we don't know how we're gonna make it, and yet you're there upheld by your right arm of strength, upheld by your mercy and grace, held in your arms of love that never fail. Lord, I thank you so much. You're revealing that to us day by day, Lord. We don't understand it all, but we know you're, you're revealing to us more and more each day. And so that's why, our, that's our prayer, Lord, more of you. We want more of you. We come. We say, yes, we come. Oh, Lord, help us to have a hunger and a thirst for you, a willingness to come, a willingness to hear, and a willingness to obey. You've always made that offer. It's never changed. The lamb and the bride say, come. Whoever's willing, come and drink freely of the river of life. That's what we want to do this morning, Lord. We want to drink freely from your river. You're pouring it out, so we want to receive. Because we're in your presence, Lord. Just pour out. Pour out your life in us. Let us breathe in that living water, Lord. Just like you breathed the breath of life into Adam, breathe it into us now, Holy Spirit. Cause us to come alive in you in new ways that we would see you, hear you, and know you like never before. The same spirit that raised Jesus from the dead would quicken our bodies and cause us to come alive. Our physical bodies as well as our, our spiritual inner man that we would come alive in you. That same dunamis power that raised Jesus from the dead resides within us, raising us up to newness of life and healing us and making us new and whole and restoring us. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. 
Thank you, Jesus. Just be still and listen to what the Lord is saying to you. Times in His presence, that's when the Lord speaks to you, when you, when you still yourself in His presence and just allow Him to speak. You can hear His voice. for your peace. Thank you that your peace comes and it overthrows all of the chaos, confusion in our lives. It overthrows the chaos and confusion in our minds, in our hearts. And Lord, your peace can overthrow all the darkness in this world. Your peace can push back chaos and confusion that's rampant in our streets and on the TV. We see it all the time, Lord. The people are anxious and upset and they're angry and they're, they're saying and doing things that are, that are mean and hateful. And Lord, we, just, we need your peace to push back against all of that. We need your light, Lord, to push back against all the darkness. I'm telling you, church, that happens by us rising up and being the body of Christ, the people that we're called to be. That's what the Lord is saying to us today, is that he wants us to rise up and be his body, every member doing what we're supposed to do so that the parts and pieces are fit together, performing a work as one, unified in service and in love to the darkness around us. Jesus came to seek and to save that which is lost. He came and he gave himself fully as a humble servant. And that's what he's called us to do. We have only one vote in an election, but we have a lot of power in the kingdom. When we operate in the authority and the power of the kingdom, there are no limits to what God can do only how we limit him in our faith. And so, Lord, help each one of us to respond to you this morning, that we would continue to strive towards hearing your voice more, being changed to be like you more, and that we would begin to think and speak and act and react like you more and more every day. Let it be. Let it be for me, Lord. Change me. 
caused me to, to be different today than I was yesterday. Caused me to be different tomorrow than I am today. Mold me and make me in your image, Lord. I lay everything before you. I'm just going to put it out there naked and bare before you and just say, here, come, Lord Jesus. Have your way. Shine your light in me. Say, do, change, anything. It's all there before you. Thank you, Lord. Thank you that you love me. You've never not loved me. You've never stopped loving me. When I stub my toe, you still love me. And when I, when I misbehave, you still love me. When I think wrong or speak wrong, you still love me. Thank you for that, Lord. Help me to be like you. That I wouldn't judge others. That I wouldn't immediately criticize and, and attack and accuse people, but that I would love and bless and forgive I'd be like you, Jesus, that I would believe the best, hope the best, see the best, and expect the best instead of seeing the worst and believing the worst. I want to be a lover and a blesser, not an accuser and a grumbler. Change me, Lord. Thank you, Lord, for all that you do. Thank you for your presence, that sweet presence of the Lord that's here. Hallelujah. Lord, we continue as we move forward. We're going we're gonna to keep our hearts and our eyes on you. Let your word become alive to us so that we can be changed in the power of your word. In Jesus' name. Amen and amen. You can be seated. Thank you, guys. Wow. What a blessing to have a a worship team that will lead you into the presence of the Lord. Amen. Can we just give them a round of applause? Yeah. Thank you. I appreciate that. You know, it makes it a lot easier to preach when uh, everybody's got their mind right. And uh, i got to get my mind right every week. And so do you if you want to receive what God's saying. So, um, well, I'm excited about the opportunities before us. You can focus on all the negative stuff if you want to, but that's not going to have a good end result for you because you're just going to be negative and discouraged. But if you'll begin to look at all the negative stuff and all the problems and say, those are opportunities for God to show up and God to do something miraculous, for God to, to work some glorious miracle to change things. And I believe that's what God wants to do. You know, He... He doesn't like what's going on right now. But God works through people. That's you and me. That's who he works through. We have to rise up and be the body of Christ. If you want to see God do those miracles, we've got to rise up. Hi, Ingrid. Good to see you. God is a miracle-working God. That's what he does. He's all about redemption. He's all about healing. Liz, I didn't see you either. God bless you. You know, God is working in and among us. And we don't always see it. You know, people, sometimes they don't always come and we kind of tend to forget about them. But God is working all the time. 
And we don't have to see it with our eyes to know that God is working because that's what He is. He is a God that is involved in our lives. He wants to work in and for and through us all the time. We've got to believe that. We've got to grab a hold of that. And then when you go through the struggles, they don't seem so bad because you know God is right there and He's working on your behalf. Amen. I preached my way through the announcements. How's that? <clears throat> so it's September, and uh, you know, here it won't be long. We're going to have a time change. Weather's getting different. Woohoo! Yeah, I like that. It's nice to have some cool weather. Got some rain. All of the farmers and ranchers are excited about that. Um, so it's good. Concrete people, not quite so much, although uh, we can live with some rain. Anyway, uh, we've got all kinds of good things starting to happen again around here, and it's good to see we've got a nice crowd this morning. That's good. And uh, So we have a one on Wednesday night, and um, no meal. Start at 6.30, and we're having classes and playing games and doing things, and the adults are meeting in here. We're going to worship a little bit, and we're going to pray. We're going to pray. I think we're going to pray until somebody cries uncle. Uh, <laughs> We're, we're just going to keep praying on Wednesday night uh, because I believe it's essential that we're praying for our nation right now. We need to pray for the upcoming elections. We need to pray for our leaders, that God would turn their hearts. We need to pray for our children, all the things that are going on. We've got kids going back to school with masks on all day long and all kinds of crazy stuff. We need to be praying that God will preserve us and keep us um, healthy and whole and that we won't be forever changed in a negative way. I want to be changed, but not for the worse. I want to be changed for the better. And so every day, uh, we need to be praying for that. And then on Wednesday nights, we're going to spend, you know, 45 minutes or an hour praying together for our nation. And we're believing that God is going to do something wonderful and miraculous. I'm not going to accept anything less than God's best. That's the way I pray. I want God's best. And I believe we ought to all be doing that. Because that's what, that, that is a prayer that God should answer, right? It's according to His will. You believe God wants good things for you? Amen. Amen. So when we pray anything according to His will, we know that He hears us. And if He hears us, we have the petition that we desire to Him. So God wants good things for you. Expect good things. Don't, don't be accepting bad things. And I'm not talking about positive thinking and talking. I'm just saying... Expect God to do what he says he'll do. That's what faith is, right? It's grabbing a hold of stuff that you can't see with your physical eyes or touch with your hands, but in the spirit realm, you grab a hold of it because you know it's the truth. And the truth will set you free. So uh, we've got some things coming up. Saturday this week is uh, the mobile food bank. Uh, from 8 to about 11 or 11.30, 8.30, uh, 8.30 to 9, if you show up, we've got to start gathering, packaging things. That's down there at uh, Southside Church of Christ, right off the square. And it's a great time. We're serving the community, passing out food. And uh, if you are one of the people that thinks our nation is not generous, you need to come. Come and see what goes on there. Because we've got a trailer truckload of food that we give out once a month to our community, and it's free. And all the people giving it out are working for free. The church has, has given us the place to do it all, and people come, 
if, if you don't believe our nation is still a generous, kind, and loving nation, and we're just one little place, Weatherford, Texas, and it's going on all over the nation, and every week, multiple times, they're giving away food and all kinds of things. We're, we're a kind, loving, good nation, and I don't believe all this, this business we hear all the time about how rotten we are. I mean, we're not perfect, but we, we've done a lot of good, and we do a lot of good. And we need to believe for God to turn our hearts so that we'll begin to recognize our areas of weakness and areas that we need to improve. And let's change them. But we're going to change them by changing our hearts, not by burning buildings down and hurting each other. We need to have our hearts changed. So, and then uh, September 26th, we're having this all-day uh, soul shop. It's, it, we're just... We're going to join in. We don't have anything to do with putting it on, but it's a Central Christian Church, and it's a, uh, a one-day training for uh, dealing with people who are suicidal. And I think it would be beneficial if some of us can go, and I know some of you responded. It's, it's free to you from 8 or 9 in the morning till about 3 or 4 in the afternoon. And if you want to go, you can see me. It's, uh, if you want to find out more about it, it's called uh, Soul Shop Movement. And you can look it up on the internet, and it's, a, it's an organization that's been doing this for a number of years, and I'm, I'm hopeful that we'll have a, you know, a nice representation there. It'd be good to be able to counsel people. Someone that you know, I, I don't expect there's going to be very many people in our church that are going to be suicidal, but you never know. Maybe a coworker, maybe a neighbor, maybe a friend. Uh, we all know people who are subject to suffering from depression and things, and People have some really dark times sometimes, and we need to be able to, to share God's love with them and talk to them responsibly so we can help them through a time of crisis. We still are uh, receiving offerings for uh, missions. You know, we, once a month we have a special mission Sunday, but if you want to give to missions anytime, that's fine. You can put missions. You can put disaster relief. If you want to give towards hurricane or, or something specific, uh, I just found out this week Foursquare also has a medical missions team that they are assembling. And if you'd like to give towards that, um, you can put uh, FDR medical or something, and we'll make sure it gets to that. And they're looking for nurses and uh, people who are trained that could go on trips. And I know we've got a few people that are, are uh, nurses, uh, mostly retired nurses, but if you're interested in something like that, they, they're looking for help as well as money and especially prayer. All of Foursquare Missions is uh, coveting our prayers because it's an important thing. And, you know, in the world, we don't accomplish anything without prayer. You have to pray. Our power and our ability to accomplish anything in this life is only through God's working in us and through us. I mean, we got talents and gifts that we, that we have, but it's God's, it's God's blessing and favor that comes through our prayer that changes things, really. So uh, still looking for a couple of helpers with the live stream. Um, this week we're not doing live stream because Jonathan has gone to help uh, with the hurricane um, efforts, helping clean up and uh, restore things there. I was told that... Uh, there's 34 million Christians who have never voted. Shame on Christians who don't vote. And you might have trouble finding the candidates you like, but surely you can find one that's the lesser of the evils. 
I mean, that's better than nothing. Because if you don't vote, that's like voting. And uh, Joel told us last week, you can go to vote.org, and it'll tell you if you're registered or not. And the time to register is soon coming to an end. I think it's the first part of October. So, I mean, you only have a few weeks left. So if you're not registered, you can check it out. Or if you're not sure, if you aren't registered, you can go and get registered. Because we all ought to be voting. And I'm not going to tell you to vote for her, but I'm telling you, you ought to vote for righteousness, and you ought to vote for the things that are biblical uh, truths that we stand for. If you find a candidate that supports life and supports things like that, then that's probably who you ought to be thinking about voting for. Uh, so, all right, I think that's all the announcements, unless somebody else has something. Uh, all right, we're going to dismiss kids, uh, and y'all can go with Miss Bonnie and the rest of you can greet one another right where you are. Yeah. <laughs> we're, we're, we're trying to do right. You guys, I got to say, sometimes I think it's like herding cats with y'all. Y'all do your own thing, and that's okay. Uh, I love you anyway. So, Sherry, did we get that slide fixed? I don't need it right this second, but just tell me if you ever do. Well, it's better than what it was. <laughs> <laughs> I put it together a horrible slide, and I asked Sherry if she could help me, and I think she... I think she gave it the last rites. Uh, it's like, man, that thing is, it wasn't, it wasn't revivable. <clears throat> but anyway, maybe, maybe we'll, uh, we'll see something. So I've been talking to you about wounds in our souls, and, uh, and we're, what we're really talking about is uh, the fact that we've all, we've all got things in our lives that are issues for us. Let's say it that way. We've got issues. And so your soul is your inner man. That's who you are. Your, wine, uh, your mind, your wine, yeah. <laughs> that might be part of your problem. But uh, your mind, will, and emotions. And uh, that makes up who you are. It's, it's how you think. It's how you talk. It's how you live. It's everything about you. And so the Bible talks about, uh, you know, us having a spirit, soul, and a body. And our spirit is the thing that when we become born again, our spirit becomes alive. That's how we communicate with God. Uh, up until that point, I would say your spirit is sort of comatose. It's not, I mean, it, it can hear and it can respond to God, even though it's not really alive yet. And so it's just sort of there. But then when you, when you invite Jesus to come into your heart, your spirit becomes alive. And then your, your spirit and your soul create this, inward man the new creation part of you and that becomes who we are in christ and so as we walk with the lord we're born again all things uh, have become changed in in one sense that we are a new creation so now we've got this living spirit that works with our soul and and we are a new creation not like we were before when our spirit was not alive and well and functioning 
So now we're different. We are a new creation. But all the things in our lives, those issues we were talking about a while ago, they might still be there for the most part. They don't all just automatically go away. You know, at the altar, poof, you're, you know, you're, what happens is you become alive to God, and now you can begin to allow him to change you as you pursue him, as you read his word, as you become like him, then all those things are becoming new. All those things are changing. And so that's what happens. All of life is a journey. We begin at the altar, and we end when we go to glory. And in between those two, everything is supposed to be changing in our lives for the good. Every day, every hour, every moment, every second, we're supposed to be changing for the good. As God is renewing our hearts and our minds and our souls. We've been talking about the words restoring and renewing. Restore in the Old Testament. When David, in Psalm, when he said, you restore my soul, he was saying, you turn my soul back. Turn it back. And I believe he was saying, you turn it back kind of like it was originally. Kind of like Adam was created, where his soul was innocent. His soul didn't know anything wicked or evil. His soul didn't even know what it was to be tempted by wickedness or evil. There was none of that in the world. So his soul was just focused on the Lord. And his soul was enjoying the goodness of all of God's creation. God wants to turn our souls back to where we're more like that. We're not going to be that way completely, but we can be more like that. We can focus more on God. We can focus more on God's goodness. Those are things that we can do as God restores our soul. And he restores our soul through his word and through the Holy Spirit working in our lives. Now, <clears throat> Paul says in 2 Corinthians 10, so though we walk in the flesh, we do not war according to the flesh, for the weapons of our warfare are not carnal or fleshly, but they're mighty in God for pulling down strongholds, casting down arguments and every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God, bringing every thought into captivity to the obedience of Christ. So we've been talking about this, and you know we've, there is a warfare that's going on. It's a spiritual warfare. We don't see it. You can't touch it. You, you might feel it sometimes. You sense that you're, you're going through a struggle. You know that things are going on. You don't see it, but there is this warfare going on. And we don't wrestle against flesh and blood. Sometimes you may feel like you're wrestling against flesh and blood. Sometimes uh, it's someone really close to you that you feel like you're wrestling with. Every now and then I wrestle with my grandkids, you know. Uh, but that's playful wrestling. But there's other times where you are, you know, you're really having uh, some kind of a conflict. And when you're having a conflict, you have to realize that that is not, it's not always just with that person. That person is like you, and we all have good days and bad days, and we, we fail. There are times where the enemy is, uh, you know, is putting thoughts in our mind, and we're responding in the wrong way. That's why we have to take those thoughts captive. When You know, you can't just let every thought come into your head. Some, it's like you've got to have a filter up there. I mean, I need a, you know, like a brick wall sometimes, you know, but, but you've got to have a way of stopping all the trash from coming in or you're just going to be a garbage heap. You have to filter it out. Take those thoughts captive. Now, 
that sounds real easy. You know, it's one, one little simple phrase. Take those thoughts captive, and, and then you work for the rest of your life trying to figure out how to do it. And that, that is true, because it is a process. And the more you do it, and the more you're successful at it, the easier it becomes for you, and the more you can readily pick out the thoughts that you need to take captive and the thoughts that you need to let come in. Your brain is working all the time, and your mind is working all the time. I read something this week about your brain. It can do uh, multiple functions per second. They said 10 to the 18th power functions per second. That's about a billion billion. That's a lot. I mean, your brain is like a hyper-fast supercomputer. It can do way more than any of us ever do. Even the smart people we know, they're only working on about 10 or 15% of their brain capacity. I mean, our, our brains are phenomenal. They can do all kinds of things. And uh, in case you're thinking, yeah, I can really multitask, I kind of think that may be a little bit of a, a misconception. So your brain does all these things, and what's really happening, you're not doing two things at once, but that billion, billion things that's functioning, it's going back and forth, you know, just so fast. And so you're, you're doing all this stuff, but you're really just doing one thing at a time. But you can, it appears in a very short space of time, you can do multiple things. And so that's why it is actually possible when we're talking to someone to also be praying in our mind. And the Lord can be speaking to us while we're speaking. That's, sometimes that can be a little challenging. When you're running your mouth, you're not always listening. But, but our brain is capable of doing way more than most of us realize. But we, gotta, we have to learn to kind of rein in Rein in the things that come into our brain and affect us. And our brain and our mind are two different things. Your brain is a physical thing, and it's got a fixed number of cells. I read that this week, too. It actually, you're born with about all the brain cells you're ever going to have, and uh, your brain grows a little bit. Your brain's made up about 75% of water, and what's left after that is about 50 or 75% fat. So if somebody ever calls you a fathead, it's like, okay, I am, you know. <laughs> but, but the point is, um, you have this fixed physical thing inside your head, and yet your mind now, that's something totally different. That's the way that you think. And so your thoughts go into your brain and physically cause memories, structures in your brain that are memories. Those can change. You don't grow more brain cells, but you can get more, more uh, neurons, more ganglia, more uh, all those things, you know, the, the, the technical parts of all these little things that cause your thoughts to be held there. That's what, how that works. And so when you, when you allow thoughts to come in, they, they grow in your brain. They take up physical space in your brain. And so that's why it's important to take thoughts captive, because if you don't, you're going to be growing all kinds of negative thoughts, all kinds of bad thoughts, all kinds of things that just just garbage in your brain. We, you know, there's a lot of talk about you are what you eat. You know, if you eat bad food, then, you know, you're probably going to be unhealthy. Well, your brain's kind of the same way. 
if you take in a bunch of bad sounds, bad images, you know, if you feed your brain on bad things, that's not going to be healthy for you. So we have to take thoughts captive. We have to monitor what comes in and, and goes out. So in uh, 2 Timothy 1.7 it says, God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power, love, and a sound mind. He's not given us a spirit of fear. That is literally means cowardice. He hasn't given us a spirit of being a coward, but he's given us power. That's the dunamis power. That's the power that raised Christ from the dead. It's the power that works miracles. It's the power that works miraculously in us to change us. And he's also given us his love, and he's given us a sound mind. And that literally means to rein in or curb. So when when you have thoughts that come into your mind, you have to begin to curb those thoughts if they're not appropriate. You have to rein them in. Okay, that's it. I'm not letting that go anymore. Sometimes you have to be kind of you have to be kind of firm. Because the enemy puts thoughts in your mind and he'll keep coming back and he'll keep trying to to put that in there and put that in there. Maybe it's something that you've thought about a lot in the past. Maybe it's something that you've done a lot in the past. Those are the things that he brings back. Because you have memories built in your brain. Those memories are there. The answer is that you begin to feed and strengthen the good memories, the healthy memories, God's Word, and that will weaken and kill the bad memories. You can create new memories. If you were hooked on something, whatever it might be, and you change the way you think about that thing so that you're not addicted to it anymore, that addiction memory will begin to lose its strength and power, and it will fade. Eventually, it'll basically die, and the new memory about that will grow and be strong, and that's how you'll live and act. So if you want to be free, you have to learn to change the way you think. That's what it is. And the first thing you have to acknowledge is that you have a problem. And that's what you learn in every, every kind of program for addictions. They all say the first thing is admit you have a problem. Once you admit that, then you start trying to figure out how to, how to change that behavior. That's the same way it is spiritually. If you don't admit that you're, that you're uh, bitter, if you don't admit that you're unforgiving or that you have a problem with anger, Whatever it might be, that you're selfish, you're greedy. If you don't admit you've got a problem, you're probably not going to change. But when you begin to admit, you know, I see that th I have this. I see that about myself. Then you have a chance to start trusting God to help you change. But it begins with just recognizing the problem. That's why I keep talking about the wounds that are in us, because we've all got them. We've got areas. They're like blind spots. You drive down the road in your car, and you look in the rearview mirror, and there's nobody there, and you start to go, and there's a car there. It's like, wow, how did that happen? That's what we call a blind spot. Well, we all have blind spots in our lives as well. They're there because either we were born with them, or things happened in our life somewhere along the way that caused us to be that way. And we're, we've got these blind spots, these problems. The Bible calls them strongholds. They're 
The ways that we think, ways, our attitudes, ways that we react to people and circumstances, and they're there. And if you don't recognize they're there, you're going to be following those strongholds. You're going to be reacting and doing things all the time. And then when it's over and done with, you think, oh, man, I did that again. You know, I'm sorry, Lord, forgive me. And then the next day you go out and, oh, I did that again. I'm sorry, Lord, forgive me. Well, it's because you have a stronghold. That's what a stronghold is. It's a place in your mind that the enemy is controlling. Now, I'm not saying you're possessed by the devil. I'm just saying that the enemy has got you in that one area. It's like you've, you've allowed him to control that for so long, you don't even recognize that it's sent under his control. But when you begin to recognize that he's got you in that area, then you can get set free. You can start taking those thoughts captive. And when that comes to your mind, it's like, no, I'm not going to say something hateful or ugly. I'm going to bless them. I'm going to love them. I'm going to extend mercy to them and grace to them because that's, that's who I am. I'm changed. There's an interesting uh, phenomena, though. We've you know, we all need to be thinking God's word and speaking God's word, but you got to believe it. You can't just say it. Because in your brain, your brain is wired in such a way that it's, it needs the truth. And if, you've, if you're just saying something but you don't really believe it, guess what happens? It causes your brain to be confused. It's called uh, cognitive dissonance. That means it ain't all quite lining up right because you don't really believe what you're saying and your brain is confused because you're saying it but your heart doesn't really believe it and you're not really having the memory that backs it all up. And so it's, it's important that we really believe what we're saying about ourselves. And so when, when I talk to you about all these changes, you might want to say, God is changing me. I am becoming more like it. I'm becoming more this way. You don't have to always say, I am. Because if you say, if you say I am, and then you think, well, I'm not really quiet yet, you, you could be confusing your brain a little bit. So just say, be positive, but be honest. I want to be changed. I believe God's going to change me. I believe I'm being changed. You can say that all day long if, you, if that's what you really want, and that's true. You don't have to say, I am changed. But then there'll be a day, if you keep practicing it, there'll be a day where you will be changed and you can say, yeah, I'm not like that anymore. I used to be like that, but I'm not like that anymore. Now, every now and then, you may stub your toe. You know, you might be having a really bad day. Maybe you didn't sleep enough and you're tired and you're a little bit weak. You know, when you're tired, you're weak physically. You're also weak emotionally. And so when you're weak, when you're, you're susceptible then to stubbing your toe more likely than if, if everything is going right in your life. So you're having a, a little bit of an off day and someone comes along and kicks you in the shin and instead of saying, thank you, I needed a good kick, you know, you, you kick them back. Well, that's, that's going to happen from time to time. We're not perfect. We don't live in a perfect world and we're not perfect. But when you change the way you think, and you change those memories, then you have a chance to actually uh, become who God wants you to become. So God hasn't given us the spirit of fear, but of power, love, and a sound mind. He wants us to have a disciplined mind. So 2 Corinthians 4, Paul says, Therefore we do not lose heart, 
Even though our outward man is perishing, yet the inward man is being renewed day by day. Day by day. All the time we're being renewed. That's what God wants. He wants us to be renewed on a regular basis. We are not where we want to be, but we're not where we were, hopefully. Our physical bodies, sorry to tell you, they're, they're dying. I mean, they're going downhill. Some of us faster than others. Uh, but, I mean, that's just, that is the law of creation and nature. You're born, you grow, you mature, you get old, and you feed the worms. You know, that's just the way it is. And I marvel, though, just think about this. I was sharing with a friend this week, and, you know, God created everything. And, you know, I feel sorry for people that, that don't believe in creation because they're missing out on something really cool. Just think about what God did. He created everything. He spoke it into existence. And then he said, I want it all to be in order. I don't want it to be chaos. I don't want it to be confusion. I want it to be order. And then Hebrews 1.3 says that he upholds everything by the power of his word. So he keeps it in order. So he created it all. He framed the world and set them in order. And he keeps it all in order by the power of his word. That's pretty amazing. God's word is so powerful. That's why it can change us, because his word is powerful. But think about that. God created, he created Adam and Eve. He created all the trees and plants and, and uh, grass and uh, birds and bees and insects and animals and fish. And he created uh, the heavens, the sun, the moon, the stars. He set all that in order. And thousands of years later, it's still working, just like it's supposed to. When we, have, when we do the things that we're supposed to do to replenish the earth, you know, we're fruitful. Babies are born. Little chicks are born. Little worms have baby worms. You know, I mean, every plant, everything, it works that way because God set it in order and His Word keeps it in order. And thousands of years later, it's still working just like He created it and meant for it to be. You know, the, we don't fly off of the earth and go out into space because gravity is here. And gravity is something God created. He figured it all out before He created it and He made it perfect. Now, we've messed up a lot of things in the way the world works. But God, in His greatness and the power of His Word, he keeps all that stuff working. Isn't that, isn't that just amazing? How hard is that to figure out everything in all of creation and make it perfect? To down to the very details, every cell in your body, millions of different kinds of cells, and they all work together to make you who you are. That is remarkable. I think God can change me. I think the power of His Word is powerful enough and amazing enough to change me. If it can do all of that, and keep that all in order, I think I can trust him with my life. I think I can trust him with my heart and my mind. I think I can trust him with everything that I have anything to do with. Because God is that faithful, and his word is that powerful, and that strong, and it's alive. When we begin to embrace the truth of God's word, it changes the way that we think. It changes everything about our lives. It's easy to, to just let everything come in 
but you're not going to be happy with the results. You need to start taking thoughts captive. You need to start reining in so that you don't just let everything come into your brain. Paul, he wrote a lot of, uh, a lot of the New Testament. In Philippians 4, he says, Rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I'll say rejoice. Let your gentleness be known to all men. The Lord is at hand. Be anxious for nothing, but in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And the peace of God, which passes, actually surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. And then he says, finally, brethren, whatever things are true, whatever things are noble, whatever things are just, whatever things are pure, whatever things are lovely, whatever things are of a good report, if there's any virtue, and if there's anything praiseworthy, meditate on these things, the things which you learned and received and heard and saw in me, these do, and the God of peace will be with you. He's laying it all out right there. He said, if you want things to go well in your life, then think this way. Think about good things. Think about things that are noble and pure and just and lovely, virtuous, have a good report, praiseworthy. And Paul was a pretty amazing guy himself. You know, he, he basically said, you've seen it in me, I've told you about it, and now you know how to do it. So do it. I wish I could say that I've, you know, I've done all that, but I'm working on it, and I'm trying to think the right things, because if you think the right things, you'll say the right things. You say the right things, you'll be giving God glory, and you'll be the light and the salt like you ought to be. Instead of going around thinking the wrong things and saying the wrong things and bringing dishonor on the name of Christ because you lose your temper and you kick the cat and do all those kind of things, those are the things that we've got to do better. I've got some scriptures I want to read to you about it, but let's, let's look at this uh, PowerPoint for just a second. I want to, so I told you there's a simple, simple drill you can do every day. And what you want to do is pick something in you that you don't like the way it is. You feel like you need to change the way you think about something. So this was me personally. I chose the fear of failure because I was afraid of failing. And I didn't think that was a godly character quality for me to have, especially not as a pastor. I don't want to be afraid of failure. I want to be, I want to be afraid of uh, nothing. <laughs> so I thought, okay, so i got to figure out where do all those thoughts come from? So you got a, you got this input source up here on the upper left. You're either going to receive or reject the thoughts that come to you. And so you have to you have to begin to identify where are the thoughts coming from. Well, in my case, it was personal history mostly, because I had some failures. So every day, you know, I'd get up and I'd be thinking, I'm going to go out today and do my stuff and. And then the enemy would start bringing those thoughts back. Well, remember the time you tried this and you failed? Remember what happened then? And, and so I said, okay, i got to change the way I think about that. So I take those thoughts captive and I begin to think. Now Deuteronomy 28.13 says, this is what God said to his people. He said, you're going to be the head and not the tail. 
To me, that's pretty clear. He doesn't intend for us to be failures. He intends for us to be successes. So if you can spend about two or three minutes each day thinking about that, where do the thoughts come from that cause me problems? And what do I need to do with those things? Then spend another two or three minutes thinking about uh, reflecting and recognizing what you need to do with those thoughts. It's a focused evaluation. And this is, this is just a mental exercise you do. And I like to do it kind of as I'm praying. You're praying and you're asking God to show you stuff. And as it comes to you, then you write it down. And so, like in this first area, the input sources, those are things I wrote down. And every day, you're going to be writing more stuff down as the Lord reveals it to you. Spend two or three minutes thinking about, you know, the difference between how it's been in the past and how it's going to be in the future. The future is not the past. God's wanting to do something new in us. We're going to be different. We're going to be changed. And the scripture for that is Ephesians 1 and 3 says that he has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places. I might have been a failure in the past on some things, but hey, I realize now that God has blessed me and I don't have to be a failure anymore. I can be successful. And most of it is in your mind. It's all in your mind. Well, you spend a couple minutes about that. And then the third thing is down in the lower right corner. You rethink and repent. It's new thinking. You begin to think about, what does God say about all this situation? How am I going to be different now? What am I going to do to make myself different? How can I be? So you begin to trust God's word and reject the lies. You're beginning to take those thoughts captive that are coming to you that are the negatives. And you're beginning to say, I'm not going to be that way anymore. 2 Corinthians 5, 17, old things are passed away. All things are becoming new. You're changing the way you're thinking. And as you begin to do that on a regular basis, then you'll, you'll have new memories and you won't be the same way. You'll be different. And then finally, you figure out how you're going to apply it to your life. Respond and react. And I, I said, you know, I'm going to be bold in striving to be different. I'm not going to be afra afraid of doing things for fear of failure. I'm going to be bold. I'm just going to step out there. Joshua 1.7 says, be strong and courageous. And what you're supposed to be strong and courageous about is God's word. He didn't say be strong and courageous and go take over everything. He said be strong and courageous and believe what I've said and obey. Believe what God says about you. Believe what God says who you are. And that last part, how you apply it to your life, that's really important because every day, about seven times more if you can, you need to go over that in your mind. Throughout the day, you need to be going over that. And if you'll do this routine, it takes about 10 minutes. You can do more, but don't, don't go crazy. But just do about 10 minutes and do this for about 21 days. And if you do that and you're praying over it, I promise you God will help you change the way you're thinking. Because that's just the way your brain works. Your mind controls your brain. And when you change the way that you think in your mind, it creates new memories in your brain, physical things in your brain, and then those become the things that you can fall back on. You've got new memories. You've got new ways of thinking. I learned this first was forgiveness. When you have unforgiveness, you tend to think about the person in a bad way. You think about them in a negative light. You think about them in the way that they hurt you or wronged you. But when you forgive them and you begin to bless them, to bless means you're speaking well of them, 
So when you begin to speak well of them now, when you think about them, you're thinking about how you're blessing them instead of how they wronged you. And when you begin to do that on a regular basis, at first it's hard. At first you don't really necessarily mean it. But after you do it a while, you start getting pretty happy about it. You start getting excited about blessing someone that did you wrong. And when you do that, it changes the way you think. And then when you think about that person, you're not thinking about how they, they stole money from you. You're thinking about how God's blessed them financially. You're thinking about how God is, is healing them physically, how God has given them uh, success with their relationships. That's what you've been blessing them with. That's what you've been speaking about them. And that's what's in your brain about them because it's a memory that you've created by thinking good thoughts. This is, it's so simple. And yet, it's science proving God's Word. Because we are who we think we are. If you think you're a loser, that's who you're going to be. If you think you're a winner, and that's what God says about you, that's who you're going to be. You're going to be a winner. Doesn't mean you're going to win everything, but that's who you are. That's why that song we sing, He's a good, good Father, that's who He is, and I'm loved by Him, that's who I am. If you can grab a hold of that, that kind of changes the whole game because that's who you are. You're loved by God. Well, if you're loved by God, if God be for me, who can be against me? It changes the way you think about everything. So when you go through the hard times, you're not thinking, oh, this is so horrible, this is so bad. You start thinking, you know, I'm loved by God, and he's watching out for me. He's got my hand. He's going to walk me right through the valley of the shadow of death, and he's not going to leave me or forsake me, and I'm not going to have to be afraid because he's with me. Rod and the staff are there accompanying me. And he's just pouring blessings out. I mean, I mean, my cup is running over. Right in the very presence of my enemies. Changes the way you think about stuff. And then everything is different. Your circumstances may not change at all. You may still have a broken refrigerator or a broken car or not enough money in the bank. But if you begin to think differently... It changes everything in the spiritual realm because your battle is not in the physical. It's in the spiritual. And when you change the spiritual realm, guess what? Maybe God can heal your finances. Maybe God can heal your car or heal your refrigerator. Maybe you'll be wondering, how am I going to make it through? And someone will call and say, hey, I got a refrigerator I don't need. Would you like it? That's the way God works. It's miracles. He is a miraculous, wonder-working God. And he does it through us. But get your ears tuned in to God. Because he may want you to give someone a refrigerator. He may want you to do something kind. Because that's how God works. He works through us. He does miracles. But he also works through us. So it's really important that we begin to think right. Think on those good thoughts, those just thoughts, those holy, righteous thoughts, those noble thoughts. Thoughts that are pure and, and praiseworthy, virtuous. When you start thinking that way, instead of thinking all that rotten stuff, you'll be different. You'll be different. And you'll be seeing God's favor in your life a lot more and more. <sighs> Rejoice always. If we could be grateful, if we could be grateful, it would change a lot about your life. Most of us have a tendency to grumble and complain, to gripe about the things we don't have, the problems we have. 
What about all the things we do have? Did you know that I, I promise you, every person in this room, no matter what your position is in life, every one of you has a jillion times more than four billion people on this planet. I mean, we are so blessed in this nation, and we gripe and complain about what we don't have and what we need, but we've got so much. I mean, God has blessed us and given us so much. We've got so much to be thankful for. You're here. You're breathing. Are you thankful for your life? You got a brain that works. Be thankful for that. You got a roof over your head. Be thankful for that. I mean, we've got so much to be thankful for. Maybe it's not what we would really like, but we've got so much it could be worse. You know the old saying, didn't have any shoes and I complained until I met a man who had no feet. You know, you can always find someone that's got it worse than you do. And that's not, to, that's not to say we ought to be comparing ourselves. It's to say you ought to be grateful for what you have because God has blessed us. Developing a heart of gratitude is really important. We as Christians ought to be grateful. We ought to be grateful to the Lord. We ought to be grateful to one another. We ought to be grateful for this nation. It gives us the freedom to, to worship, the freedom to to go and, and make a living, the freedom to have our kids educate. I mean, we've got so many things to be grateful for. Yeah, you know, you might not like the way they educate your kids. Then be involved more. But be grateful for the fact that we have education available. Maybe you don't like the roof that's over your head. That's fine. You know, believe God for something better for you, but be grateful for what you have. I think that's one of the lies of the enemy that we've all bought into. He wants us to just grumble and complain. He wants us to focus on the negative, focus on the problems, focus on what we don't have. How about we focus on all the good stuff that God has done? I can get pretty excited about just the, just the simple fact that he saved me. And if my life is miserable from that day forward in every way, still, how could I not be grateful for the fact that he's given me a promise of eternity? Amen. That's worth it all, right? Amen. This present time, it doesn't compare to what's in the future for us. So having a grateful heart, and that's, that's something you can change. That, that little routine I was showing you, if you're not grateful and you'd like to change that, start thinking about that. Think about how those thoughts come to you, what you need to do differently. What does God's Word say about that? God's Word is where the power comes from because it changes the way that we think. You begin to meditate on His Word, it'll change the way you think. Worship team, y'all can come back. Philippians, uh, excuse me, uh, Ephesians 5.26 says that He would sanctify and cleanse the church with the washing of the water by the Word. That's how all this happens. God washes our mind with the Word of God. As we begin to meditate on Scripture, as we begin to think about it, that's how God renews our mind. And we need to have a renewed mind. We're supposed to have the mind of Christ. We're supposed to set our affections on things above. And next week, I'm going to read you some Scriptures that, that tell you some things we're not supposed to think about and the reason you're not supposed to think about them. God wants us to 
He wants us to curb and rein in our thoughts. He says to be sober-minded. He says to gird up the loins of your mind. I mean, you gotta, you got to protect what goes into your mind so that you can have the right thoughts in there. That's your responsibility. Nobody's going to do it for you. Mom and dad aren't going to do it for you. Brother and sister are not going to do it for you. Preacher's not going to do it for you. You've got to do it for yourself. I've got to do it for myself. That's the way it works. We have to be responsible for that. But you're not alone because God has promised to help you, bless you, and to give you the tools to do that with. His word is alive and powerful. His word can change your heart and mind the way that you think and the way you speak and the way you react and act in everyday life. That's what we want. We want to be like him. So as we worship, I just want to encourage you. Let the Lord speak to you. I'm, I'm going to encourage you each week. And, uh, and I don't want you to, I want you to do one thing at a time, okay? One thought at a time. I don't want you to get all energetic and try to do a bunch because that's not really good for you. Do one thing for about 21 days. Pick one area of your life that you want to change the way you think. Work on that consistently. And when you feel like God has uh, set you free. Now, I warn you, after three or four days, you'll be thinking, Woohoo, yeah, I'm great. Don't stop. Because it takes about 21 days for you to feed that memory enough proteins and stuff by your thoughts that it will take hold and be strong and survive. Take one thought at a time. And when you've got that after about 21 days, if you don't have it, repeat the cycle. It's okay. Ideally, a 63 is three of those cycles is what works the very best. If you're an addict, you're probably going to need to do more. But on just basic thoughts, 21 days should get you pretty well there. Then you can take up a new thought, a new, a new thing you want to work on. Just do them one at a time. And you're thinking, wow, I've got so many things, it's going to take years. It's okay. It's all right. It's better to... Better to shoot for the ceiling, you know, than, uh, and, and get off the ground than to shoot for the moon or whatever. You know, you just you set yourself some goals, reasonable goals. Pick out something that, that is important. Let God change you, and you'll get excited about it. When you see that he's changed you there, then you think, yeah, this works. I want to do something else. I want to do something else. So let's stand and worship.
thank you, Lord, that you are the same yesterday, today, and forever, and you don't change. And you have a plan for us, Lord, and that plan doesn't change. Hallelujah. You have a good plan for us. And when we mess up, your plan is still good. Amen. And when we resist, your plan is still good. And when we don't think right, your plan is still good. You are wanting to renew us. So, Lord, help us to come in agreement with you. You say come, and so, Lord, help us to say, yes, here I am. Yes, here I am. I'm coming to be healed. I'm coming to be renewed, restored, changed in the way that I think, in the way that I speak, the way that I see. And I'd love people like you do, Lord. Help us, Lord, to come and say yes to you and your plan for our lives. In Jesus' name, amen.
Hebrews 12 says, See that you do not refuse him who speaks. For if they did not escape who refused him who spoke on earth, speaking of Moses and, and different ones, much more shall we not escape if we turn away from him who speaks from heaven, whose voice shook the earth. But now he's promised, saying, Yet once more I shake not only the earth, but also heaven. Now this yet once more indicates the removal of those things that are being shaken as of the things that are made, that the things which cannot be shaken may remain. Therefore, since we are receiving a kingdom which cannot be shaken, let us have grace by which we may serve God acceptably and with reverence and a godly fear. For our God is a consuming fire. If that consuming fire part scares you, it shouldn't. Because he wants to burn up all the impurities in our lives and he wants to purify us and make us whole. If you don't know Jesus, then you better be afraid of that consuming fire part. Today is a day of salvation. He says, I'm going to shake the earth and the heavens, but we have received a kingdom that can't be shaken. If you're a believer, you don't have to worry about all the shaking that's going on in this world. If you're an unbeliever, you better find out. But if you don't know Jesus and you want to, today is the day. You come meet me here. Don't wait. Don't hesitate. Come, and we'll pray. If you need healing or anything else you want prayer for, come. I'll pray with you. Otherwise, you can go. Be blessed. May the Lord bless you and keep you and make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you. May the Lord lift up his countenance upon you and grant you his perfect peace. Go and be blessed. Have a great week. See you Wednesday night for prayer.